Milwaukee United Church of Christ presents Uncovering, a reflection by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, June 21st, 2020. For years and years, for decades, ever since the passage of the Civil Rights Act made open acts of violence against people of color no longer acceptable, ever since then, Black people have been telling the world about the unequal treatment they continue to receive. Some of it is minor. The wariness of the white woman when a black man takes a seat next to her on the train. The extra alertness of the store clerk when a black person steps into a store. Minor, but constant. So constant it is exhausting and soul harming. Some of it is major and life altering. The underfunding of schools in black neighborhoods and the preference that employers have for white-sounding names on resumes. And some of it is deadly. The undertreatment of Black bodies in the healthcare system and the use of deadly force on Black bodies going about their lives. All of this has been too easy for the rest of us to let go of. The voices of our Black siblings too easy to listen to and then turn away from because it wasn't happening to us or in front of us. Even when we heard, we allowed the information to land and then to sink into the hidden places in our minds that those places marked, I don't know how to deal with this information. I don't want to believe it. Things are getting better. Maybe this is an isolated incident. It can't be this bad for everyone. Maybe this is an exaggeration. I can't bear it if all these stories are true. I'll think about that tomorrow. Jesus said, there is nothing that is covered up that won't be uncovered. Right now in America, the reality of our national origin, original sin of white supremacy is being uncovered, not just for its victims, but for all to see. With cell phone cameras in every hand and the internet to share the footage, it is no longer quite so easy to dismiss. In the past, when the stories were told, we could read them in the paper and sympathize and then turn the page. We could listen to a story on NPR and care and then get caught up in the next story. If stories about black bodies being shot by the police came on the nightly television news, it was often part of a story couched in sociological language about urban or underprivileged communities, allowing us to politely pretend we were not hearing and buying into racist stereotypes. But now these stories that we allowed ourselves to not quite hear are suddenly everywhere. Over and over again, we see the knee on the neck of the unarmed George Floyd lying face down on the pavement, his hands securely cuffed behind his back for those interminable eight minutes and 46 seconds. We can click away, but there it is again on a friend's Facebook page 
and on the website of our favorite newspaper. Not just the story, but the video and the still images of the utterly unconcerned face of the kneeling officer and the suffering face of Mr. Floyd. What was covered has been uncovered. What we were keeping secret from ourselves has become known. These words of Jesus come in the middle of a passage known as the missionary discourse, in which Jesus sends his disciples out to spread the good news that God's realm of justice and love has come close. It is both a stirring and a daunting speech. On the one hand, Jesus sends the 12 out to do all the same things he had been doing. To heal, to exercise demons, cleanse lepers, even raise the dead. And presumably, they have the power to do these things. On the other hand, he instructs them to take no money and accept no payment, to carry no change of clothes or shoes, and not even a walking staff for protection. He sends them out empowered and vulnerable. He assures them that they will face suffering and rejection. And three times he reminds them not to be afraid because not even the smallest and most humble sparrow falls without God beside it. And they are after all worth more than many sparrows. All the hidden things that threaten the kingdom of God and seek to undermine it will be uncovered. Even when those hidden things are in ourselves, our own hidden prejudices, resentments, fear, our self-absorption and our greed. In the face of the recent unveiling in American culture, books about racism are flying off the shelves. Lots of them are on back order. And several that I've looked at recently point out that white folks often use a strategy of becoming exaggeratedly emotional whenever we are accused of harboring racial prejudices, or even when we are faced with the reality that being white in America is easier than being black in America, and that the system was designed to make it like that. The strategy of emotional overreaction is a way of keeping ourselves from knowing something about ourselves that we would rather not know. It's a way of letting ourselves off the hook. I suspect it's a strategy that we humans use in all kinds of situations and relationships, diffusing anxiety about our own failings by pretending that we know less than we do know pretending that we have less power than we do have. It's a way of avoiding responsibility for how we use that power. But Jesus reminds us that on the discipleship path, committed to God's kingdom, everything covered will be uncovered. This is a promise for us and not a threat because what we cannot see, we tend never to heal. It is a promise that we will be uncovered and healed as a culture, as a community, as individuals. As long as we deny 
what is hidden, we will remain sick with it and unfree. This week, as we celebrate the Supreme Court decisions that affirm the civil rights of LGBTQ Americans and protect DACA recipients from being immediately deported, we must also face the fact that our government has separated thousands of children from their parents at our border, that thousands of them remain in custody. We have kids in cages in America, and yet, I am able to go to sleep every night. Remember how a couple of years ago, we first found out about that problem of children being separated from their parents and put in what amounts to cages? There were demonstrations everywhere. There was an uproar. It had been uncovered. But this is the way systems of oppression work. Small changes were made to ease our minds. New crises arose and our attention got distracted. We had to turn our faces somewhere else. And when we did, more children were separated from their parents and put in cages. That's the way systems of oppression work. But our job as disciples is to keep out in the open what has been uncovered. Our joy as disciples is to work so that everyone is free. This is hard work, but this is joyful work. We know that God is with those children, and that should be the reason for us to be with them also. Don't be afraid, Jesus says to us. The injustice of our system will be uncovered and we will be set free. Don't be afraid, Jesus says, your own injustice will be uncovered and you will be accompanied by the living God while the light shines in on your secrets, bringing the Spirit's healing. Our second reading this morning tells another powerful story of uncovering. It's the story of Sarah and Abraham and the enslaved woman, Hagar, who they conspired to use and then discard. Sarah has the privilege of belonging to the nation where they are living. She has the privileged status of being married to a successful and wealthy man, of being his first wife, whose children will inherit. She is also barren and beyond the years of childbearing and bringing an heir into the world, protecting the future in that way, is essential to maintain her status. She is both privileged and in peril. Hagar, her maidservant, her slave, is foreign and enslaved and named only by that status. We don't know her given name. Hagar is the word that means foreign one or in some translations, foreign thing. She is also young and fertile. She has some power in that, in that situation of peril. Both of these women are caught in the power structures of a patriarchal society. Both of them are undervalued because of their gender. Still, they do not bond together to break free. 
Sarah gives Hagar to Abraham to get a child for herself, stealing Hagar's right to her own body. Hagar, pregnant with the long-delayed child of Abraham, lords it over Sarah, or so Sarah's insecure heart believes. So Sarah abuses Hagar, and Hagar, in an act of self-preservation, runs. Alone in the wilderness, she's visited by God. And there, alone of all the ancestors in scripture, she names God, Elroy, the God of seeing, the God who sees me. This same God sent her back into the web she had escaped, and the saga continued. Sarah finally, at long last, bears a son. Seeing the two sons of Abraham, her own son Isaac, and Hagar's son Ishmael playing together, Sarah sees only threat to herself, to her privileged place, to her son as the sole heir. It's a very human story, this wrestling over who inherits how much and who is worth how little. Sarah chooses to use the tools and the system of patriarchy to have Hagar expelled and out in the wilderness again. Once again in the wilderness, Hagar despairs. And once again, God speaks to her. He gives her a promise of descendants and he gives her the water of life. Even what is hidden in our own biblical stories will be uncovered. In this story, we see the web of sexism and ethnocentrism that ensnared both Sarah and Hagar. We can learn from Sarah. She had the choice to let go of her privilege as first wife and join in solidarity with the more imperiled Hagar. She had that choice and she passed. God saw it all. Don't be afraid. We are living right in the middle of a great uncovering. In our country, in our own community, and if we are willing, in our own souls. Remember that no matter how we change, no matter how many times we fail and get up again, no matter how far we may rise or fall, nothing, not even the smallest sparrow, falls without God beside it. Amen. Listen, listen.